Hello and welcome to Further Reaches. My name is Kaz Tanner and I'm your host. In this podcast, we are seeking to understand what lies beyond the edge of our current understanding about consciousness, the constructs of reality, and how we can build a better world. Today, my guest is Amy Burrell, and we're talking about holotropic breathwork, psychedelic-assisted therapy, a little bit about Tantra, and how altered states can allow us as humans to access deep insights, wisdom, healing messages. So I am really excited for this conversation. Let's dive in. Amy holds a master's degree in fine arts and a bachelor's degree in dance with an outside field in psychology. In addition to her background in the arts and movement, she has extensive training in trauma-informed holistic healing arts modalities. She is currently part of the first Groff Psychedelic Therapists in training. Her other certifications include Groff breathwork, licensed massage therapist. She is also a relationship coach and a Tibetan Tantra instructor. A Brazilian native, Amy embraces cross-cultural practices in her work and weaves cultural wisdom from ongoing international trainings and mentorships. So hi, Amy, welcome to the Further Reaches podcast. Hello, so happy to be here. So happy to have you. So Amy and I met about a year ago. I am doing a, I'm pursuing a master's degree in consciousness studies and transpersonal psychology. And in a lot of my readings, I kept hearing about something called holotropic breathwork. So I was Googling online, like, how can I find a holotropic breathwork Um, experience to go to. And it just so happened that Amy, who lives in Bloomington, Indiana, she was running a workshop the week that I was going to be visiting Bloomington. So I had a pretty incredible experience with the holotropic breathwork. To start with, for someone who has never heard of it, how would you describe holotropic breathwork? Holotropic breathwork is um, similar, I would say, to journey work. So in the sessions, um, they're long, and um, the participant will be using the breath along with evocative music, usually tribal and music that doesn't have words to help you go into expanded states so almost like trance states or dream states and um to then be able to access material from your subconscious um and or to remember um to get clarity to have maybe physical releases so it 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 involves the mind but also the body and um and it's very different than what a lot of people think about a breathwork session, because in these sessions, we're not concerned about teaching participants pranayama, different you know ways of breathing. In this, we, we have a very specific way that we go in through the breath, but then we let the wisdom of the body take over and um, what we call the inner healing mechanism of each person will bring up what they need at this time to look at, to heal, um, to experience. And so in your personal journey, like how did you first stumble across holotropic breathwork and, and what about it made you want to get certified as a facilitator? So for me, I was living in Brazil and I started working with ayahuasca. Um, It was a time that I was going through maybe a midlife um, crisis or change. And somebody took me to a ceremony and I started working with that medicine. 
and I started having lots of healing, but also there was a, a big opening. I was very um, open. <laughs> and so right around that time, I moved to the United States and I knew that here it was a lot more difficult for me to find because in Brazil, where I lived, people did this all the time. You know, it was part of uh, uh, spiritual practices that were acceptable in the culture. And then here, when I came back, I, I didn't really know where could I continue my journey of healing or um, also how to integrate these big experiences that I had had with the substance. Um, so I had some friends recommend holotropic breathwork. And I just found the first workshop that I could find with Stan Groff. I wanted to meet him. If I was going to go to to something like that, I wanted to, you know, if I could go with the person that developed it. And um, he was doing one in Taos, New Mexico, and it was Psyche um, and Arrows, the theme. So for the first two days, Stan was giving lectures because at this time he wasn't facilitating the breathwork itself. So the model for the week was two days of lectures with Stan. And he talked a lot about Tantra and all these different um, Eastern spiritual practices. And um, just being there with him was the closest experience I ever had of, you know, what they say gurus have, like where they, the transmission was so strong, like his person his presence, his awareness. I had really never met a man like him. And not only that, he was validating all these experiences that I had had even prior to working with ayahuasca, um, like spiritual experiences, even as a child that I had that I didn't really have words for or understanding. And for, for the science, man, you know, the psychiatrist to be validating them and actually honoring them was just um, amazing. So then after that, the next day we did the breath work and um, it was like I was just waiting for a place where I could um, fully express things that were coming through my body. And that's really encouraged in our session. Um, also in the session, there can be body work at the end of the session. And that was very important for me because I felt supported and held. Um, it, I just had a very big experience. It was similar to a psychedelic session in, in the sense that I was able to go really deep in it and it, it felt transformational. So immediately I knew I was like, this is the modality I've been waiting for all, all of these different things that I do kind of combined seem to fit into this. And um, yeah, it was just powerful. So Stan Groff is one of the founders of transpersonal psychology, which is the field I'm pursuing a master's degree in. So I, I had read about how back in the sixties, you know, he was like an LSD researcher. And then when LSD and other psychedelic drugs became illegal, he wanted to find a way to put people in altered states so he could continue his work. Um, can you tell us a bit more about holotropic breath work and um, like how Stan developed it? So it was actually developed by Stan and his wife, Christina, who is no longer with us. But um, the, over like 40 years, they did this work together. Um, the idea was that Stan, when psychedelics became illegal, Stan was, I would say, like the one that was holding the flag saying, this is still the, an important way that people heal. Going into expanded states is not new. This is like, you know, many cultures use non-ordinary states for healing. And um, holotropic breathwork is just one way. So it's the way that he developed. 
um, for people to be able to continue doing work in non-ordinary states, um, even though we didn't, we couldn't use the plants or substances. And um, holotropic is actually a word that he coined and he made up. Um, that means moving towards wholeness. And and he decided to make up this word because in psychiatry there was no word for healing non-ordinary states. In psychiatry, non-ordinary states were always seen as um, maybe pathological. And he couldn't believe that they didn't have a word for these states that brought so much transformation and healing. So he created that word. And to to separate that from other non-ordinary states that might not necessarily be healing or evolutionary or transformative. Yeah, I I read an article recently and it was written by Charles Tart. I don't know if you have come across this one. It was written in the 1970s and it talked about altered states and how for many years, people with a scientific mind, they think that our normal day-to-day waking consciousness is the only legitimate form of consciousness. So a state that you might go into in holotropic breathwork is not valid. Same as how a dream might not be valid or hypnosis, or even people who have near-death experiences, you know, they go into a different state of consciousness. And I think it's really important. And my wish for the world and for people is to start to view these altered states as equally valid as our waking consciousness. Like our waking consciousness is important. We need it to survive, but sometimes there's so much to learn from going into an altered state, like a holotropic breathwork state. Um, can, can you tell me some, what are some of the benefits that you personally, or you've seen other people experience from going into this altered state of consciousness? Yeah, our, our waking state of consciousness is only a tiny little bit of what we're capable of. Um, when we go into other states, for example, we can go into these transpersonal states where we can have um, group consciousness, where we um, can even connect with other species, you know, where we can become the eagle you know, and, and understand how it flies. And we can go into past times and have feelings of like, oh, I've been here before. And that, I'm not sure there's many ways that people can understand that, you know, part of it is like, maybe that we're just connecting with the collective mind, um, or that Maybe there are ways like in Eastern traditions that believe that people come back. Um, The whole archetypal realm and mythological realm is accessible when you're in these states. Um, And and it's not just to go in there to experience them. You're getting information and you're understanding that you're not just this body, you know, that we are spiritual beings, you know, and that you can actually experience more the the scope of what that means. Um, You can actually get direct information too for your own healing, you know, maybe information of like, oh, I I need to look at this relationship or um, it can be very specific, you know, and it's at the same time individual. There is nobody in these sessions or telling you what you're supposed to be thinking, you're going inside, really deep inside and, and accessing information. Would you mind sharing an example of a very powerful or potentially transformational experience that you have had while doing holotropic breathwork? Sometimes it's hard for me to remember which ones were holotropic and which ones were um, you know, plant medicine work, because it's so incredible that these two modalities are able to be um, so similar, you know, and that's really beautiful. And I'll just say something really quick about that, that actually, um, you know, how MAPS is training so many people to become now psychedelic therapists, like nurses and, and therapists, but because in the U.S. we don't have a lot of 
psychedelics available where it's legal, um, they've been using holotropic breathwork as the training, as part of the training for these people so that they can understand what it's like to be in these expanded states. So I found that really interesting that um, holotropic breathwork is actually being used um, in that way. Um, let's see, one experience. I guess I, one experience that I had was um, I was dealing a lot with the, like the trauma maybe of not belonging, you know, in a lot of my sessions. And um, I had one that um, I saw myself on top of this bull um, this animal and I was like on the back of this or buffalo you know like riding this buffalo and I looked back and I could see on one side like my whole family like the whole lineage riding behind me and then I looked onto the other side and I could see all my friends and people I knew riding there and I kept getting I was like moving super fast you know and just like charging on the planes you know like moving and getting this message of you are so supported you have so many people with you you are not alone you know I mean in that moment it was just so powerful to live that experience so these are lived experiences you're not just writing about it thinking about it you know even dreaming about it dreams might be the closest thing but you're actually like I was physically like I was sitting up, my body was actually kind of moving. And I, I remember the sensation of it, you know, so it kind of feels like it works even in your physical um, when it's happening. You know, that was just one small example. There are so many and some of the stories are really long and they sometimes even connect like one breath work that I did years ago might have a connection with something that I experienced years later that finally kind of closes that experience. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, and I um, when I did my first holotropic breath work session with you, I was a couple of months away from doing a psychedelic retreat in the Netherlands. And it turned out that the breathwork experience I had in your session was more powerful and I saw more visions and it was more moving than what I experienced when I did the psilocybin retreat. And I think that was really surprising to me because, you know, I, when I initially did the breathwork with you, I was like, whoa, just wait until I do the psychedelics. It's going to be, it, it must be more than this. But what I realized after experiencing my psychedelic journey was holotropic breathwork is equal sometimes if not more powerful than plant medicine so yeah that was kind of mind-blowing to me that you don't need to like ingest something external like you have this inner wisdom and inner healer that can show you like what you need and I, I think that I wouldn't be doing this podcast without that breathwork session with you. Like I got this very powerful message that I was like a general leading an army and I was on a horse and it was like my job to tell the army that we had to charge. And I felt like my throat was clogged and like I didn't want to say charged like I was like no I don't I don't want to speak I just want to stay quiet and then like in the next second I was like lying on the ground of this battlefield and I had this like insane pain in my stomach area and I remember you came over and you like pressed on it and then it opened up this whole vision where I was like I knew I was on this battlefield and I was dying it was very emotional I was like sobbing my eyes out but I got this message of like this is what it feels like to die without doing the thing you wanted to do. Like you need to speak and use your voice and be heard in the world. And like, yeah, I got this message of like, don't die with your voice inside you of like what you want to say. So yeah, wow. that was super powerful and very yes. cool. And so specific for you in that moment, yeah. you know, this is the thing that we can't create this experience. It is created for us by this mm -hmm. inner healing wisdom 
um, you know, that, that we can't even, like, I couldn't have catered a, a session better for you than yeah. you're going to have, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think something I really love about doing the holotropic breath work is that you do it in a group. So you, afterwards, you talk about what you each experienced and it can, it's so different for everyone. And yeah, extremely interesting to see what each person got out of it. And I, I also really like how you have a sitter and a partner. So can you kind of talk about that and like the structure of the, the session? Yeah. So the structure of the session is, you know, first you prepare people by giving them a little bit of the context of where they might, what they might experience and where in the map, you know, of the psyche they might be working in. Um, which is the like biographical, perinatal, or transpersonal realm, and then um, would we we divide up into dyads, and you work, and you don't have to know the person you're sitting with or working. That's another beautiful thing. Um, and a lot of times, people make really good friends in these um, experiences of kind of sitting with somebody that they don't know. Um, and it is a beautiful collective experience of trusting another, of um, recognizing that we're all in this together. You know, my problem, my individual problem is not something I need to keep hidden, you know, and only do private sessions. But actually, by having the courage to um, do this together, which actually is super fun, you also are um, part of this collective healing where we're all becoming more real. We're all becoming more ourselves and having other people um, witness this transformation. So you divide up into these dyads and then one person will breathe for the first three hour session. And if, if it's a full day instead of a two day workshop, then you take a, a break. The people who just did the breathing will draw their mandala, which is part of the integration. Um, just putting something down in 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 a nonverbal yet way, and then the second group will do another three hour session where now the breather becomes the sitter and support for the the breather, and then again that group will do their mandala, and at the end we come back into a big circle where we share what has heart and meaning from the experience, what we find important to share with other people. And we usually show our mandalas also. Um, yeah. And, and talk about integration. I loved having the partner with me because um, for example, when I was feeling like the pain in my stomach, like it, during my session, you always encourage us, if you feel a pain, like ask for your partner to apply pressure there or like push on it and then it can like deepen your experience and it feels so nice to just know that someone is sitting there next to you for three hours ready to give you whatever you want a, like a tissue a drink of water pressure where you need it or even just to like hold their hand um and yeah it's also an honor to be the sitter to like sit and focus and be present for the other person. I feel like it's such a good exercise, especially in our world of like constant distractions and short attention span. It's like, all you're doing is sitting with this person and paying attention. So I feel like I enjoy being a sitter almost as much as the experience. Myself. Yeah. And it's an interesting story how that got developed. I think Stan was having a workshop and there were like many, a lot of people there, Stan and Christina and his back went out. And they were like, oh, what are we going to do? Do we need to cancel? Blah, blah, blah. And they came up with this idea. This is like how, you know, open and, and creative, you know, they were in the process of developing this modality. They decided to have divided into two groups and have a sitter and a breather. And the people said that it was just as powerful to be a sitter. And then the more that they did it, they recognized this importance of not only do we want to um, have space to do our deep work, but also to be able to, when somebody else is having their deep experience, be able to um, put our 
our stuff behind us and be present for another person. And Stan talks about two different kinds of trauma. There's trauma of commission when something's been done to you and trauma of omission when it's something that you lacked. So in, in this modality, we do have body work, which is very unique, like hardly any other therapeutic method, you know, even allows for, you know, touch. And um, we also have holding, like in this modality, people might be, um, you know, gone back into being a baby in, you know, um, regressed. And um, it's a possibility for um, a healing experience if they ask. We usually ask the breather to ask for what they need. So it, it's initiated by the breather. Um, but if they recognize that, you know, maybe their mother wasn't present, they were in the ICU or something after, they can ask the sitter and they make an agreement if that's comfortable for them before the session, the sitter to maybe hold them and, or a facilitator to do that. And there can be these healing experiences um, in that way. So there's a, this is like a very, very unique for this modality too where, you know, um, there is body work and there is holding and there can be touch if you need somebody to just hold your hand or if you have a pain somewhere and you feel like you need some resistance. Um, so, yeah, working together. But without the facilitator or the sitter assuming they know what's happening, the breather is the one that is guiding any anything that has to do with touching them or, or, you know, connecting with them in that way. You mentioned this a bit. Um, and I, I think we should talk about it more because it's something that the Groffs, um, kind of explored quite significantly is these like perinatal experiences, like things that happened either in the womb or during the birth process and how that can cause a sort of trauma and it can get played out during the holotropic breathwork experience so could you kind of talk about that yeah so we know that like the further back the trauma probably the bigger impact it's having on you you know so um what stan stan i, I mean he I'm, I'm not sure who before him was really working with this um but he recognized that no we need to really look at this you know, the birth itself is probably the most traumatic experience most of us will have in our lifetime. And the time in the womb is also a time that can be, um, hopefully for most people, a, um, a good womb, but there, there, ha there are, um, because of stress, any, any kind of thing that could have happened while the mother was pregnant, that changed her physiology or stressed her, that the 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 fetus was experiencing that also and it, very much so in in the process of healing during these sessions and also in the psychedelic sessions which a lot of people might not even talk about is that you go back to these experiences that happened in the preverbal so a lot of times you don't even know what's happening like that feeling of like I don't I don't remember. I don't know what was really happening. I just felt, you know, my head was hurting and I felt this pressure, you know, um, is, is because people are going back into those experiences. And then he divided up into four stages that you can um, be experiencing during that time. And they're very important. And usually people do experience either being born again or, um, any kind of trauma that happened there. And there's a possibility of you kind of correcting it by shaking or, you know, um, um, getting a little bit of body work um, or, you know, things like that. At last time I did a breathwork experience, someone had kind of like a birthing experience and I got to watch you work with her. You kind of had like pillows and it was like she was wriggling her head like, through the pillows and kind of going through the birth canal. Um, so yeah, it was very intriguing to watch that happen. Yeah. And it's what happens is that we see people, it's not like I told anybody like what position to go into to do a rebirth. You know, it's not like that. 
we're in the session and you start seeing some of the participants kind of going into these like pushing with the head and turning the head a little bit. And that's usually what they're where they are. So we know where they are. They kind of maybe know a little bit because we talked about it before. But it's not like we're planning this. But there is a lot of healing in like say if you had a birth where you were drug your mother was drugged and you were kind of not really present or didn't really have that fight in you. You know, in the rebirth during the session, you might experience a little bit more of your own power or your own participation in it. And that can be very empowering um, to, to experience. Because you're, even though you're in the experience, you're also the observer. Even though we go really deep, there's always a little part of us that's kind of witnessing it also. So then it's like things got brought up to consciousness. And now that's how it, it heals. Yeah. And I, I've also seen, uh, like I had a friend who did it with me the first time i she literally just like laid there and didn't do much like at all, but that was like incredibly healing and she needed deep rest and stuff was still going on like inside of her, but yeah, externally she wasn't like moving around. I've been in other sessions where people, yeah, thrashing and screaming and it's, there's so much variety. We, we say, Breathe until you're surprised, until your body takes over. And then whatever shows up, you want to make it bigger. Because some of the healing processes require big movement, big voice, exertion, feeling your power. Um, and this is a place that was one of the reasons why I wanted to be a facilitator, because I had never, even in the medicine work world, you know, my body wanted to do these things, but you were always told, oh, you need to sit with a straight spine and be peaceful and calm. And my body was like, ah, ah, you know, and in the breath work, it's like more, more go full expression of that experience to be able to complete some of these experiences. But on the other hand, another person might have a complete experience of like, um, yogic sleep, we call it, you know, where you go so deep and there's absolutely no movement. I've seen people not move for three hours, barely like, you know, the breath, they might've been pushing the breath in the beginning and then almost no pumping of the breath later. And they, sometimes they say, oh, I don't think I, I think I fell asleep. It's like, well, probably not. The music was super loud. You know, you didn't even move at all. <laughs> like even in your sleep, you normally move, but, but they come out of it like really renewed. And we, again, we trust that your inner wisdom knows what kind of experience you need in that day, you know, depending on where you, you know, what, what's happening in your, uh, you could look at your transits or you can just say like in your life, you know, you might need deep rest and regeneration. So you um, are in the process of becoming certified to be a gruff psychedelic therapist. Can you tell us about, about that and some of the principles that you're learning in your training? So we're using very similar um, approach as we do in the breath work, except for that the, the experiences all last longer. But a really important component of this way of working and maps also uses a similar way where the experience is completely internal where we use eye shades so there's no transferent i mean like yeah confusion in the mind during a session of what's real what's you know inside what's outside you're totally inside so you know that all the material that's coming up is coming up from you Nobody on the outside is doing anything towards you. It's, it's your material. So the, in the setting, set and setting, you know, the, the, the safety of this, these sessions comes from one is that, like keeping the experience internal. Um, we have in the group sessions, we have sitters 
So half the group works and then we have the sitters. And then the other day, it's another group, which is not, you know, in ceremonial um, places, this is not how you work. You know, a lot of times it's everybody together, including maybe the shaman, and he's also on the medicine. This is a clinical approach that we're doing. And then we have also individual sessions where a lot of times it would be more high dose. And for those, you have two sitters, a male and a female sitter. Um, to hold. So we're reading a lot of Groff's books. You know, we also read other people too, but it's it's very focused on his um, research and you know his approach um, to to psychedelic therapy. What would you say are some common misconceptions about psychedelics and like what is the importance of doing these like guided psychedelic journeys for more of like a therapeutic purpose? You know, a lot of people that come to me tell me, oh, yes, I, I, you know, I take mushrooms and I go out in the woods and, you know, connect with nature and it's amazing. And yeah, I understand that. But um, I, I think this, this approach of um, having sessions where you're not it's not about connecting with the world. It's an inner, inner session, inner journey. Um, the, the connecting with nature better will happen either at the end of the session or as a consequence, because you understand yourself a little bit more as part of nature. You are nature. Um, and you actually get to experience that a lot of times in, in these sessions. Um, Another misconception, um, maybe in, I'm not sure, like in, in like dosage, you know, people might think, you know, that microdosing or medium dose or bigger dose. Stan um, holds that he thinks sometimes having higher dose, as long as it's very safe, like we were saying with two facilitators, um, the person is never left alone, you know, internal, all of that. He, he seems to think that there's less resistance to go in deeper into the process. Sometimes we can have experiences of kind of like struggling a lot, you know, kind of like not quite making it to like a, a place that but sometimes that's part of it too, you know, even just recognizing our resistance and our fears um, or being stuck in one of those matrix, you know, the birth matrices that are uncomfortable. Um, but another misconception is that people are going to like go crazy. You know, uh, this stuff has been really shown to be quite safe. If people, you know, if people aren't taking any other medication, you can't be mixing you know, with certain medications. So it, it is really, you need a very good intake form and you need to be very truthful about what, even things that you might think are not, um, it, that won't react badly with it. So that's really important. Um, the other part is really taking the time to integrate these experiences instead of just like having experience over experience over experience, kind of, you know, being respectful with the process that you're receiving and then you have to integrate that into your life before you take on another journey, possibly. You know, we see people kind of maybe abusing it that way and, and that can throw you a little bit out of balance, you know, and, and maybe have a hard time being integrated in your life. So, so yeah, you know, the, the kind of common sense really, but um, the 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 making sure that you're taking your time to integrate and that you are integrating the things that you received in that session i think integration is a really important point could you tell us an example of maybe something from one of your journeys or from a client's journey of like what came up in the session and then like how they worked to integrate that in their life in a session i recognized that I tended to 
um, feel like I took on other people's problems, you know, maybe even my siblings or something like that kind of heavily. And that, you know, that worked for a little while, like, you know, doing that. But then I recognized how when I did that, I started having a harder time relating to them as a person, because when I would think of connecting with them or or calling them, I'd be like, oh, no, that's going to feel so heavy on my back when they tell me that something bad is happening to them, you know. So I realized that I became less available. I had a harder time even just being a sibling, you know, like being able to show my love or connect with them when I knew that they might need it. But it just felt heavier, you know. So after that, I I realized that how I had been not available to some of my siblings at times that they needed. So after the session, I did some writing around it and everything and decided as an exercise, okay, I'm going to sit down with my sister and I'm going to apologize for the specific moment where I knew she needed, you know, my support. And because of this trauma or this way of being, I wasn't able to to be present for her. And so literally just having the conversation with her was healing. You know, and I you have to go all the way to that. You know, you don't just stay in the like, oh, you know, I should have done that better. But why not take it all the way into maybe an apology or a conversation of saying, I recognize that I was acting this way, you know, and I'm sorry. You know, I I value you. I want to be with you. I want us to have a good relationship and all, all of that, you know. So, yeah, taking it all the way, like finding a practical and grounded and, and real life way of completing that realization. Yeah, it's important to actually take action on the realizations you have in these journeys. I think often people seem to think that going on a psychedelic journey, it'll be like a silver bullet and it will just fix you. Like you'll do it one time and then you'll be fine. And I feel like I've met a few people over the last year who are like, oh, I tried it one time. It didn't work as if it's just, you know, taking a magic pill. And so I'm curious if in the work you do, is it, um, is there kind of this perspective of doing it multiple times, um, for more like on ongoing healing? Like what's your thought thoughts on doing it one time versus multiples? It's interesting because I have a lot of clients that I've been like talking about holotropic breath work for years, you know, and they're like, no, no, especially because it's a group thing. Like people have a really hard time. And then when the Michael Pollan movie came out, everybody now wants a psychedelic session. Unfortunately, you know, where I live, we don't, we can't do that yet. So um, I told him, I was like, well, you know, the best way to start is maybe to do some holotropic sessions. Because in the holotropic, each time we talk about it, you're going to learn about the, the map again. Like, what is the territory? Where am I going when I go in these sessions? And you get to learn how to journey. You get to learn how to trust that even if you're in a hellish experience, how after that can be so healing. And in the holotropic, it's a little bit less scary because you can kind of come out of it a little bit. You can come out of it easier. You just stop kind of the intense breathing or you just calm yourself down and you're back. But when you take a substance, you're in it for the whole journey. You don't, there's no like, pause or start coming out of it slowly, you know. But I I would say that I don't really know or I I don't really know that Stan has an exact, you know, like number how many sessions. Um but it is a process, you know. And sometimes one session will get you pretty far and you might need a long break before you need to do it again. Um and other times if you're in a really, depending on the stage of your life and what you're dealing with, we actually see that 
people might need to do a few sessions kind of closer together because what you want is to complete and to feel like you can handle regular life you know so if the person is is even after a session maybe was a good session and everything but they're still in so much process um then it's it's almost like the only way out is through and you might as well kind of maybe do a little bit more closer session so that you can get to the other side where you're a little bit more content and life seems more manageable, you know. So it varies from person to person from the time of your life, you know. Even if you have if you have the space for it too, you know, these sessions can open, you know. But but the thing is if you're if you're in a healing crisis, it's going to happen anyways. You might as well get supported, you know? Yeah. And I certainly wouldn't recommend doing it all of the time. I think it's important to approach it as it's like a sacred thing. And like you do your integration work maybe before you do more. But yeah, I, I think that something I've realized over the last year is there's like an art to journeying. And I remember on one of my first journeys, Mm -hmm. it was like, um, I had set an intention and I was going to like address some stuff from my childhood. And then this like ex-boyfriend who I hadn't thought about in years kept popping up and I like was upset with him. And I was like, no, what are you doing in my journey? Like, get out of here, get out of here. And I kept trying to like yeah. shut the door and it kept coming up. And I remember taking a break in the facilitator was like how is it going and I was like oh like I just it's not what I expected and he was like next time one of those doors opens like just go towards whatever it is like stop judging or trying to control what's going to come up mm-hmm. and then I went towards this x and then it kind of opened a web of connected emotions and feelings and memories and that was really helpful once I dove in but yeah initially I was like what no I don't want to be thinking about my ex now what a waste of my journey time you know but it wasn't a waste and something was trying to get me to to look at that yeah like we call it your inner healer you know knew that you needed to go there and and it is uh, uh, the idea is to surrender you know surrender to whatever comes even though you might in your preparation, have some intentions and, and we don't really set those really strongly. It's not part of our vocabulary so much other than openness and willingness and, you know, to go wherever you're being led in the session and trust that that is where you need it to be. You know, there is a bigger intelligence than our (laughs) ego (laughs) that wants to get things done, you know, boom, 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 one, two, three, you know, and, and the, um, the timing and, and what comes up and how it comes up is for your own healing. And it's beautiful because it's also uniquely yours and it's very creative. This is a very creative process. It's so beautiful how it's like, you know, healing and art and spirituality, all kind of moving together and with this idea of us becoming more whole, more ourselves, really, you know, taking away some of the traumas and the and the things that got put on us, you know, or that we took on as children. And now that we are a little bit older, we can kind of like, okay, so, you know, I can let go of that one now and create more space for, for life, you know. Something I'd love to hear you talk about is like healing and trauma in general. Like I've met some people who are like, oh, well, I don't have any trauma. You know, like someone might have had like a very good, perfect upbringing. But I think it's Gabor Mate who talks about like even a child who's brought up in like the most perfect nuclear family like that in itself is still traumatizing because as a human, you're disconnected from nature sometimes from living within a bigger tribe, like we're not living in the most natural way that the human evolved to live in. So what would you say is the importance of being willing to go into these experiences, maybe if you don't even know you have any trauma that needs to be healed? It's like you're saying, I mean, even just being born is a trauma, you know, according to Stan. (laughs) So, um, 
but you know, then there's people that have C-sections. So maybe they didn't feel like they experienced the trauma of compression and all that, but there was a trauma of being in this perfect world. And then all of a sudden being in another world where you feel pain, you feel cold, you, people are loud, you know? So even if we can't remember, we have experienced it. And we're also finding out that we have ancestral, you know, memories. So there is also the trauma in the family that gets carried. So we don't come into the world like this blank slate. You know, we already are coming, showing up here with obscurations and, and things that like we might like they, the study with the, the mice that, you know, the ancestor found out that if you, if I do this, I get, I get hurt The the generations after avoid that. So we're avoiding things because maybe in our ancestral memory, that's a dangerous thing. But as we're able to clear, we, again, we can open up to more life, you know, that, that maybe those things are not there anymore. Um, but it's, you know, it's like the hero's journey. It's our, our, um, it's our, um, part of being alive is, is having the courage, you know, to look into what we might not be seeing clearly. And also as we do that, we can understand other people more also. Like I remember before giving birth, you know, my idea of what it meant to be a mother was very different than when I actually physically had to go through this process and actually have children, you know, that depended on me. Um, I mean, my, my compassion with my mother just like changed completely, you know, as we experience these things, we become broader, you know. So how do you envision psychedelic therapy and maybe also holotropic breathwork how do you envision these modalities contributing to social and cultural transformation in the future? Well, it is consciousness work, you know, and, and Stan talks about um, in the case of holotropic, but it, I think it's the same with psychedelics just because he was talking about holotropic, but um, that usually people come out of these sessions with a greater awareness of ecology, of, how they're part of this ecosystem, recognizing that, you know, if one person is, is getting a lot and one person is losing a lot, the imbalances that are created, we all feel them. Even if you think you're on the top here, you're still experiencing that at some level, you know? So um, we're, as we're becoming more aware of of this through this kind of work, um, I think we'll make better choices that are more equitable, you know, that are are that are supporting um, fragile um, people or or um, ecosystems. Um, I I think in that way it is, and it's a collective a collective we're raising ourselves collectively. We, we can't, it's, it's not, it's, you know, in, in, in this therapeutic world now, a lot of times it's this individual, you know, very individual, like my little problem with my family or whatever. And this, this, as it's growing and as people are doing these workshops together or, or ceremonies together or um, psychedelic sessions, we are recognizing ourselves in others and um, able to um, actually want a world that is more equitable. So speaking of recognizing oneself in others, I know another healing modality that you work in is called Tibetan Five Elements Tantra, uh, which is a trauma-informed holistic healing modality. Can you tell us about your work with that? Yeah, it's um, very exciting that um, now the the school that I trained with, Authentic Tantra, it's called, um, it's a government accredited school. And in Canada, um, 
people can actually use their insurance to have holistic healing sessions in Tantra. Um, for basically that include your sexual health. Um, because you know, that's a part that we have a hard time still kind of going into, but that's a part of everybody's life. Um, and, uh, I really resonate with that. And I, I started getting interested in this actually at the time I was single and I, you know, I had been single for a while and I was kind of like, well, that's going to be weird. I'm going to study Tantra and I'm by myself, you know, but it actually was good, you know, to have a whole training where I was doing it as a single person, recognizing what is mine and then, um, able to work with couples where, um, we're just bringing consciousness into the relationship and doing practices like meditation practices, movement practices, connection practices, where you begin from this place of, of, of um, soul connection. You know, it's not just this, what does it look like in the movies to, to get it, to get together sexually, but how can we do it by, looking into each other's eyes, saying appreciations to each other, which also in relationships we can end up spending a lot of our time being very negative. Um, so these practices that, that remind us what it might feel like to be fully present with another person, filled with love, you know, and almost creating also um, a, a sacred space for that to happen. So we also separate ourselves from our regular life. And it is a little bit like going into an expanded state with each other. So I have, a, my love is also to be working in expanded states. As a massage therapist also, it's the same thing, like people going into deep, deep meditative states with the breath work, with the psychedelics, and with Tantra, with sexuality. Like, how can we enter into these states together? starting from a really um, healthy place, connected place, um, whole place. So kind of thinking like bigger picture, what would you say is like your greatest wish for humankind? Oh, wow. That is a tall order. I guess, you know, if we begin with just self-love and recognizing ourselves, you know, as divine and as um, part of this beautiful cosmos, um, and then being able to recognize each other. I mean, it's love. It all comes to love, you know, being able to love ourselves and love others. And wanting, wanting the same for others as we want for ourselves. Mm, beautiful. Is there anything else you would like to share that I didn't ask you about, Amy? Well, I guess there's a big conference happening in Denver, the MAPS conference. And I'm going to be one of the facilitators for the holotropic breathwork that will happen right before the conference, the couple days before. Like, kind of tagged into the conference. So um, that might be something that people might want to look into going. It's in June. Um, I think the breathwork is on the 19th, but it's around the 20th to 24th um, in Denver. Very cool. Okay, I'll add a link to that in the show notes. Sessions too, if people are around this part of the country. Um, yeah, start checking out these new modalities. <laughs> yes. And Amy's website, if you want to find out more about her is spiralbodies.com. Uh, I have had a massage like bodywork session with Amy as well, which was exquisite. So I highly recommend that. And Amy, I just want to say thank you. You're such a, a healer. You've been a major influence in my life and in the lives of my friends and people around me. And so thank you for everything you do in the world. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you. And thank you for spreading the word. 
I hope that more people will at least try holotropic breathwork one time and fall in love with it the way that we did. All right. Thanks, Amy. Thanks. Thank you for watching or listening to this episode of Further Reaches. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much to me if you would subscribe to the episode on whatever platform you're watching on so you get alerts when I publish the next one. Also, it would be fab if you could take a screenshot of this episode and just share it on your Facebook or on your Instagram stories and tag me at Kaz underscore Tanner. That helps uh, share the word and like get this information out to more people. Before I go, I would like to give a shout out to Zachary Walter, who composed the gorgeous music that you hear in this episode. If you'd like to find out more about him and his musical compositions, check out ZacharyWalterMusic.com.